Welcome to podcast number five of the practice of nonprofit leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Hey, Nathan, we're in the middle of uh, our relationship series. We're talking about different kinds of relationships that we have as executive directors of nonprofits. And today we're talking about something that I am excited to hear your perspective on. (laughs) And that is the use of volunteers in nonprofits. Why don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. All right. So um, they are, they bring skill sets, they bring knowledge, they bring a flavor to the organization that you can only get through volunteers. But I I got to admit I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with volunteers. On on one hand, they're just they bring this invaluable service to your organization. But at the same time, they could be such a drag on your organization as well. But there are some things that you could do that makes volunteers a thriving, healthy component of your nonprofit. And hopefully that's what we'll we'll share a little bit today as we talk about some strategies and some tactics and maybe a couple of stories of Tim's and my uh, and our successes with volunteers and, and uh, maybe a, a couple of things that didn't work so well so you can learn from us. So, Tim, what are some things that, uh, that people can really kind of grab a hold of as they start looking at their volunteer program? I think at a high level, there's a couple of things that need to be done. And I think that's around the idea of planning intentionality. Would you agree, Nathan? Oh, absolutely. It, it, I think those are the two primary pieces that if you, if you get those two right, you're a long way down the road of having a healthy, successful volunteer program. So let's talk about how do we put some of that together? And I think, you know, especially in a small nonprofit, there's a lot of things that need to be done and you're doing most of them. And you know what? We really believe that volunteers can step in and and grab onto some of those those uh, opportunities and those needs that you have. So I think uh, you know the, one of the things that we just want to want to say is that um, if a job needs to be done, a volunteer can do it. You may have you know you may be able to hire somebody or um, you know whatever, but for most of us who are working in nonprofits. There's never enough money to go around to hire every every position that you need, and volunteers can can fill in and can jump into that. Point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think some jobs are better designed for volunteers than others. But I, I I'm with you. I think every every job that needs to be done within an organization there is there is a place where a volunteer can do that job under the right circumstances. So, and, you know, you look at a job and it could be, you really have five options. I think it's five. Uh, full-time, you can hire somebody full-time to do the job. You can hire somebody part-time to do the job. You can hire a contractor or a consultant to do the job or a volunteer. Technically, that's four, Tim, not five. <laughs> so, so there is, an, and you could split your job up that way. And a lot of times, I know what I've done in the past is you start a job out as a volunteer uh, and then you can work them up into a full-time staff position as the organization gets bigger, budgets get bigger. Uh, but there's some things, a lot of things that could be done with the volunteer that can move you forward. Now, Nathan, I, I was talking to you before we went on air, just how much I, um, you know, I look at what you're doing with your organization, your smaller organization. 
Um, but you have done pretty well with uh, grabbing some some people who are are high capacity people who actually have other jobs, but in a lot of ways they're serving as as department heads over the very things that you're doing. And I wonder how you've done that so masterfully. You know, one of the things that probably works well is um, you you have a, a description of what you want them to do, right? I mean, there's a there's a job description sitting out there, yeah. As opposed to just saying, "Well, just go off and do whatever." But talk talk a little bit about that. Yeah the the um, so we're half million dollar organization, uh, and we function with uh, and we're our our programs are based in Haiti. And so we have 1.25 uh, FTE full-time equivalencies here in the U.S. Uh, we have a pretty large staff in Haiti, but we only have one actual full-time salaried individual in Haiti. So the entire half-million-dollar organization is run off of two full-time and one uh, part-time accountant. Uh, and the rest is all uh, here in the U.S. All of our functions are volunteers. And I think... A uh, big thing, a couple of things. One is you just, you know, if you're finding, I, I always go back to our pharmacy director. We have a, a director of pharmacy that has a full-time day job and she handles us on, on the, uh, as a volunteer. And so this is a PhD level pharmacist that works for a global organization and she's our director of pharmacy. And, you know, we could never, well, I'm going to say never. But right now, there's no way we could afford to pay her uh, to do what she does for us. And she spends hours and hours weekly uh, working on our, our our programs and making sure that our, our stocks are good. And I mean, it's an incredible amount of work. And she does it with a joy and, and compassion in her heart. Uh, and it's because she truly believes in what we're doing and loves what we're doing. The other side of that is we're very clear on what she needs to do. I mean, we have a job description in place. Uh, she and I talk um, once once a week, once every other week. Uh, we're you know text, emails, constant communication. And so while she is a volunteer, she is functioning as a staff person, and the communication between the two of us is the same as what you would expect from a, a staff, you know, a, a paid staff position. Uh, but it did start out with the job description and so that everybody's clear on what the job is and what the job isn't. I think that's really important because I, you know, a lot of times we think about if I'm going to hire someone, I need a job description, I need all these things. But it's really true if we're bringing volunteers in, it's important that there's a clear sense of what we want them to do and how we're going to measure what they're doing and what they're, how their part fits into, into the organization. Yeah. And so, I think for, for me, sorry, I didn't mean to go ahead step on you there, but is the for me at least because I'm a I'm a not a detail person, and so by doing the job description, it actually forces me to stop um, and think what what is it that I'm looking for, and so it helps me to get a better sense of the scope of the position and what I'm looking for, and because um, I t- I tend to make quick decisions, and so this is having the having the jo- actual job description is just a way for me to slow down and make sure that I got all my bases covered. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to have 50 no. points to it, but no. it's just some clear, a clear sense of what we are asking this person to do. And here's a pro tip. <laughs> As Nathan would say, the pro tip is this, do the job description before you go looking for a volunteer. 
not the other way around. It's like, oh, we have somebody. We better tell them what to do. Uh, let's actually start with putting down what, what we're looking for, what the job entails, and then have it out. It sounds simple, but man, I have seen so many people. It's like, hey, we need volunteers. Uh, and then they, we get them and it's like, okay, what are we going to, what are they going to do? And that's, yeah, absolutely. That's not, that's not good. We've kind of talked about this, but um, there is a sense that as we, as we look for a, a volunteer um, to step into some key areas that we, that we can treat them as a staff person. Now that has some challenges as well as some, some um, positive things there, but what is, what does that look like, Nathan? Well, you know, the, as um, staff and volunteers are different, obviously, and there is a, you can, uh, see, I'm not going to use the term push. You could, you can push on staff a little harder than you can on volunteers. So for example, if a report is, is not in, the report's due on Friday and it's Monday and as, as the executive director, you don't have the report, you can, you can reach out to the staff person and say, hey, report was due Friday, when's it coming today? Um, with the volunteer, you know, you have to temper that a little bit more. Um, and and that, that reaching out becomes, hey, you know, reports were due on Friday, you know, what can I do to help you to, to get that done? You know, it's, I, I'm not saying that obviously we're not going to dump on staff and, and, you know, come down with an iron fist. That's not what I'm saying. It's just with volunteers, there's, a, there's an expectation that they, or they don't have the same expectation as a staff person. You have to make sure though, that they are the right fit for the organization, because if they are not the right fit, and I'm talking, um, I'm talking uh, in a in a sense of do they fit the culture? You are setting yourself up for a big a, a big world of hurt. Uh, and I've I've had I've had volunteers come in that were not the right fit, and and they just they wreak havoc. They just tore the place apart, and they didn't mean to, and it wasn't even their fault. It was they just didn't fit the culture that we were trying to create. And it was the wrong place for them to volunteer. And and once you get a volunteer to come in, uh, it, it's it's difficult to remove them. As long as, as well as a a fit, there's also a, a level of competence as well, depending on what you're asking them to step into. So if you need somebody, if you need a volunteer to, you know, maybe you can't afford to hire an accountant, or let's say maybe hire a bookkeeper, but you know there's somebody who said, oh yeah, I can I can do the books for you, whatever you want to make sure there's a competence level that they really know what's going, going on. And so there are, there are various levels of volunteer needs in an organization, which we all know, but there are some that really do not only do you want someone who's got a good fit with the organization, but you want someone who is competent to actually fulfill that position. Yeah. I, I have a, a friend of mine who's a, who's a public accountant and uh, works for a, an accounting firm and he tells me stories all the time of of companies. This is for profit, nonprofit. Same is true. These companies will try to, um, you know, everybody's trying to save money, right? Nobody wants to spend. No, no company wants to spend money that they don't have to. And 
So they will, instead of, he had, he had one customer, uh, this was a couple of years ago. And instead of um, having his firm do some of their accounting work for them, they, they hired somebody to come in and do some of the day-to-day stuff. And then just had his firm do the monthly closures, closures and, and those things. Well, the person that they hired part-time to come in and do it <clears throat> had no idea what they were doing. Uh, had sold themselves that they did, but they didn't. They didn't know what they were doing, and so it actually ended up being more expensive because my friend's firm had to do more work to fix what their person had done wrong. And so now, of course, this was a for-profit, so it, it was a paid thing. But the same way with volunteers and nonprofits, you can bring somebody in who doesn't have the skill set, the right skill set, and they end up causing you more heartache and 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 work and money in the long run than they save in the short run. So it's really important to to find competent volunteers in in some of these areas. I know I was I was sharing with you earlier that uh you know we had someone uh in our organization who came in who wasn't I mean I think we would have we would have hired her in some ways but um really wrestled with it and and but she was competent. She she was what we needed and she started to volunteer and was so absorbed with what was going on that uh, now she is leading one of our, one of our programs and do an incredible job and just see amazing things. And so finding those right people can actually lead to, um, you know, maybe when you're ready to hire someone, that person is, is exactly the right person. They have the experience and, and everything. So yeah. So and and really those good. are, those are really hard to find Tim. It, Cause you, you think about it, you say, okay, um, you're asking somebody to come in and they're, they're volunteering. So obviously they have to have the time to do it and transitioning from, Hey, we want you to volunteer. Then we want you to work part-time. Then we want you to work full-time. Well, not very many people have the flexibility to do that. I mean, if you're, if you're volunteering, that means that you have, you, you have excess amount of time that you don't need to be compensated for. And then working part-time says, okay, I either don't need a full-time income or I've got another job that that is, you know, providing me for my household expenses. And then moving to, oh, now I have the time, you know, it, th- that very rarely happens. Now, but when it does, like in your case, it is a beautiful thing. It, it is... It, that, the ability to kind of like test drive somebody on your part as the organization, but also on their part, you know, the volunteer, I think I would like working with this organization. I think I'm passionate about what they're doing. So it's kind of a test drive for both sides of the equation. Uh, That doesn't happen very often, but when it does, that is, it is great. Well, and I think also looking for people that are very passionate about the work that you're doing. It's not just like oh, I got to do something with my time. They're really they're they're drawn to the kinds of things that we're doing. Let, let's stop here for a second because I think here's a here's a question that I that I that I would ask if I was executive director. Where do I find these people? Where do, where do I find volunteers? Yeah, and you know I think well my 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 standard answer to anything where do I find you know, donors, where do I find volunteers? Where do I find, you know, staff people? Where, where do I find dot, dot, dot? Uh, my answer is always inside out. And inside out means go to your, think of circles, concentric circles. So a circle inside of a circle inside of a circle. 
uh, or you know, you throw a rock into the into a pond that that's that's glassy smooth, and you have these circles that go out. Um, and the first one is always your board. So whenever I need something, that is the first place I go. So in the case of I need a volunteer uh, program director for our wash program, as an example, first thing I do is make the job description. So we have a clear understanding of what we're doing. And the next thing I do is I send that to my board saying, hey, this is my this is who we're looking for. This is the program that we're that we need a, a director for. Uh, who do you know? Uh, and that's where I start. Then my my second uh, circle would be our donors. Uh, I would take our top oh, handful of donors because, uh, you know, numbers, I, I can't send it out to 500 people because I can't manage that response. But I would take a handful, five, six, seven, 10, whatever I felt I could handle. And I would send it to them. And donors, especially your larger donors, they love, love, love to be, see, everything revolves around fundraising, Tim. Um, <laughs> they love, love, love to impact the organization beyond their check. Hmm. And so this is a this is a fabulous way to involve your donors in something like this. Uh, is you just you know send the job description, say hey, we're looking for this. You know, is there any is there anybody you know? Uh, so that would be the second, and then my third circle is other volunteers. Uh, nobody knows your organization, what it's like to volunteer for you uh, than your existing volunteers. So that would be a uh, that would be my three uh, inside out circles that I would go to uh, for that. So let me ask you this then. So we're finding we're finding people are showing up and say, "Hey, I want to I want to help. I want to do something. I want to step into some of these things." Um, is it okay to say no? Do you say no to volunteers? Is it okay? Yes. Uh, is it always comfortable? No. <laughs> you know, I just got done telling you that I would I would go to some of your uh, some of your best donors and ask them who do you know. Well, let let's say that your uh, third largest donor in the history of the organization says, "Oh my gosh, this is I can't believe you send this to me. My daughter would be a perfect fit for this." Uh, and then she's like, you, you, you find out about her and she's like, oh my gosh, you're not even close. There's nothing, you know, there's not one skill this person has that fits what I'm looking for. So, um, yeah, I, it, it can make for some uncomfortable conversations, but I think in the end, um, if you, and this goes back to kind of treating this like a job, like a, like a, a job position of saying, Hey, these are the qualities. These are the skill sets. These are the things that we're particularly looking for. And, um, you know, unfortunately for, you know, if you're talking to the volunteer, if you're talking to your donor, you know, we found somebody who was a, was a, just a perfect fit for what we were looking to achieve. And, you know, we'll keep your daughter or we'll keep you on, on file. And, and as other opportunities come up that are a better fit for you. Uh, and, um, so I think that's the, that's how I would have that conversation, but, Absolutely. It's okay to say no uh, to a volunteer that, and you just present it back to, Hey, we're looking for a very specific fit. And we think we found somebody that's, that's a better fit. Uh, and I think the higher up the position, the more skilled the position, the more, uh, the more uh, you need to, to rely on that. If, if you're looking for somebody, you know, to do, um, I don't know, something that's, that's not as programmatically skilled, 
then you can, it's a little bit easier to take a larger group of people. As long as they have a passion for what you're doing, you know, you're probably okay. But if you're looking for a volunteer CFO, <laughs> they better, they better have some CFO experience in their background. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You, you know, and just, it's good maybe for us to stop right here, depending on what your level of involvement in nonprofit has been as you step into this leadership position, um, depending on what your program is, it's also important to remember there are some things you need to do, like uh, like have a background check on some of your volunteers. If yeah. they're going to yeah. be involved with vulnerable people, with children, um, it's important to take those those steps, even as volunteers. And uh, so keep, keep that in mind. And that may be uh, a reason not to have people involved if – if they don't meet some of those, that criteria as well. Yeah. And I think Tim, the, as executive directors, and if you, if you've never been an executive director before, this is something that you have to come to grips with. And, and if you are an executive director, if you've been serving in that role, you've already experienced this. The job description of the executive director is uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable situations. Leadership is not easy and leadership is not, uh, it, it doesn't lack controversy and difficulty. And so you are going to be, the, that is part of the gig, is being in situations that make you incredibly uncomfortable. And this is one of those things, uh, uh, dealing with volunteers, you, that's just part of it. Uh, it does, it's not easy. And some people handle uncomfortable situations better than others. But it is it is something that is coming, and um, and it may very well be having some of these conversations. And and again, we call this the practice of nonprofit leadership. <laughs> That's part of the practice, practicing right. having some of those challenging conversations. But yep. as a leader, you lead, and remember, you're doing incredibly important work, and it means doing it right and and making the tough calls because it's worth. It's worth it. What you're doing is really important. There's a couple more things we want to just mention. Um, and I think one of those is as you have volunteers at different levels and maybe you're going to do, uh, you're going to bring a bunch of people in to, to do a project, for example. Um, maybe, you know, I know an organization that uh, they used to send out a, a newsletter and they would get a whole bunch of people that would come in and help them get that newsletter together and stuff it in the envelopes and do whatever for those organizations that still do that. Um, and, and everything. And it was, it was great. There was great camaraderie. They believed in the mission, but I think it's really important that if you have volunteers that you make what they're doing meaningful <laughs> and that you are prepared, there's nothing worse than showing up to do a project and, there's, there's the tools aren't there. The, the envelopes aren't there or whatever. I mean, I, I mean, are you tracking with me there, Nathan? Oh, yeah. You know, just using your, your envelope stuffing example. Cause, cause you're right back in the day that was, we, we would have, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you have, you have, let's say 500 envelopes that need to be stuffed. All right. And you're expecting two volunteers to come in and it'll take an hour or something. And then all of a sudden you have 10 volunteers show up and they get the envelope stuffed in, you know, 14 minutes. And now you've got eight people standing there with absolutely nothing to do. And that is uncomfortable for everybody. And it makes for a poor 
uh, experience. And as volunteers, you want your volunteers to, to, no matter what their volunteer job is, is to have a positive, happy experience. And, and that's, that goes back to part of my love hate relationship on the, on the hate side, which hates maybe too strong of a word, but um, is sometimes I, I felt that the amount of time and effort and energy that I spent preparing for these volunteer groups to come in and do this work. I spent so much time in the prep that if I had just done the job myself, I would have had it done in much faster time. And I would have been done the way I wanted it done, which was, would have been right, you know, in my head of whatever right was. (laughs) And it was like, Oh my gosh, why am I doing this? Um, Now there are, you know, having, having an active volunteer program, there's, you know, there's fundraising applications to that. And there's marketing applications as people go out and talk about what they did. So there's all kinds of other reasons to do that, but you just, you've got to make sure, you know, if you're, if you're having, you know, eight people come to do a, a, a job, uh, you know, d- planting trees and, you, you know, you have eight people coming and you only have one shovel, you're probably in trouble. You, you need to be making sure that you've got everything you need for that group to do what you've asked them to do. And it pushes us back up to the top of where we started. And that is some planning intentionality ahead of time. So it's not just, oh, yeah, we got to do this, throw it out there, but really thinking about what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And yes, maybe it would be easier for you just to go do it. But um, it takes some of your time. You're saying no to some other things. And as you just mentioned, volunteers can be great marketing people as they communicate what a great experience they had, a great work they're doing. And they can also become donors, as you said, as well. You know, it's like, hey, I want to support that financially as well. Yeah, and 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 you know the, the the intentionality becomes okay. Do I need eight people, you know, from eight different churches to come and and do the my landscaping and mow the yard every month? Is that what I need, or do I need a you know a director of maintenance, a maintenance director, a volunteer maintenance director who comes and is passionate about you know gardening and lawn and loves what we're doing as an organization? That having somebody like that is worth their weight in gold. Uh, and, and then that volunteer position, if he needs help or she needs help, then they can bring, you know, manage bringing people in. Uh, so it's just constantly thinking about, okay, what, what do I really need? What does the organization really need from its volunteer program? And how can I get these things better or done so that I don't have to worry about them. And so that I, as executive director can go do more fundraising. (laughs) The last thing we want to just bring up, volunteers don't get paid. That's why they volunteer. But, uh, you know, it's really important, don't you think, to recognize those who give their time. Um, And I know sometimes executive directors, we're so busy, we're doing so many things. And it's just like, oh, of course, they're they're volunteering and, and whatever. But the idea of recognition is powerful, would you say? Oh, you know, it, it always amazed me. And it is people who, especially it seems people say, Oh, I, you know, you don't need to mention me in the newsletter. You don't need to put me on the website. You don't need to do those things. Even those people, a a heartfelt look them in the eye, shake their hand, give them a hug, whatever, whatever is appropriate. And a thank you. I, we couldn't do this without you. That two sentences has more power to it. And will 
will have your volunteers leaving your, you know, pulling out of the parking lot, feeling good about themselves, feeling good about the organization, feeling good about the work you do, feeling good about you personally. Is It's just, it doesn't have to be a lot. The recognition can be just little simple things so that that volunteer knows that they're valued. And if they know that they're valued, yeah, they, they will be your champion and you have made an impact in their life um, as well. So it's a win all the way around. So simple recognition is, is don't forget that it is powerful. And, and Nathan mentioned a couple of things, but it could be if you send out a, a newsletter mentioning who's, who's involved, mention the volunteers names. We all love to see our name in print, don't we? Oh yeah. We all, <laughs> you know, just make sure you um, spell it right. That's correct. Uh, it could be a, it could be a, a, just a personalized card. I mean, it takes a little time, but writing just a little note card saying, hey, yep. thanks for helping us out. That yep. is so huge to get a handwritten note from somebody. Yep. Um, and I and I and I know organizations that sometimes they have a volunteer lunch or they have a volunteer dinner, you know, maybe annually where they invite everybody to come in and it's a thank you and chance to meet other people who are volunteering. And it's just it's a great atmosphere and it's so it does so much for uh, your organization. Well, thanks, Tim. It's been a great uh, discussion on volunteers. And I think the, the primary takeaway from this is intentionality and planning. If you spend the right amount of time up front planning out your volunteer needs, writing the job descriptions, finding out what or determining what skill sets you're looking for, what passions you're looking for, and intentionally find people to meet those needs, you will find that your volunteer program thrives and the people that you can bring on board will make a tremendous difference in the output of your organization and impacting the lives of the people that you uh, that you were created to impact. So Tim, intentionality, and planning. Those are our two key words of today. Sounds great. We'll keep practicing nonprofit leadership. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership, helping you navigate the murky, tumultuous waters of nonprofit leadership. Each week, we bring you a mixture of encouragement, information, stories, and practical tools to make your journey just a little easier, more fun, and helping you make a greater impact in the world. Would you like a deeper dive into today's topic? Then come on over to the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership website where you will find resources and tools that you can use. Plus, you can connect with Tim and me. We'd love to hear from you. So to all you executive directors and those aspiring to be one, see you next week.